0: Listening to Philly Who, the podcast that tells the stories of the doers, thinkers, and performers of Philadelphia. I'm your host, Kevin Schmidlin, and today I'm talking with startup founder Rick Nucci. Rick is currently the co founder and CEO of Guru, a knowledge management platform with customers such as Shopify, Square, and Airbnb. Before that, Rick co founded and built Boomi, a cloud service which was acquired by Dell in 2010. Rick has been heavily involved in the growth of the Philly tech scene and has even served as the president of Philly Startup Leaders, which is a large community of Philly entrepreneurs. In this episode, you'll hear from Rick what it was like to start a company in Philly in 2000,
1: back when having a startup outside of Silicon Valley was pretty unheard of. We definitely weren't taken seriously most of the time. Um, you know, innovative technology like cloud integration can't be invented in Philadelphia. That, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, li- people would literally say that exact thing.
0: We'll hear how Rick and his team would persevere over 10 years, get acquired by Dell, and then how Rick would discover the itch to get back
1: into the startup. Startup camp. In the crowd, standing up, shaking their fists, yelling at the analyst, like complaining about when's this product, when's this going to be fixed, like when is this going to happen, like outrage, and I'm like... I have to start this company like what an opportunity like I have to I have to do this and we'll talk a lot about how Philly has changed over the past
0: 18 years
1: and what he thinks are the biggest challenges the city faces today you know we got to get away from this like cheesesteak liberty bell rocky statue nonsense and like move on man all this and more coming up in the very first episode of Philly Who
0: stay tuned Just a heads up, there is a little bit of cursing in this episode, in case that's not your thing. So, Rick Nucci founded Boomi with a few of his friends just two years after he graduated from Penn State. And though he had some entrepreneurial experience from being a DJ in high school, he would find the first few years of Boomi to be insanely challenging,
1: to the point where, really, nothing was going right. We were entering this market that we knew nothing about with a product that wasn't differentiated. And I remember um when we uh started in this was in two thousand in March and like in October or November, Microsoft released this product called BizTalk. And if you went and read their website, you'd be like, Wow, that sounds remarkably similar to Boomi. Uh Bummer. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was very much the same message. And um, you just, we just got our butts kicked around um, the criticality of understanding your market and your your wedge. And by wedge, I mean, how, you know, what what problem are you going to go in and solve where you can really go deep into that problem? But it's an intentionally kind of specific area to start where it's big enough problem where the a business will pay for it. Um, but you're not trying to be this, you know, everything to everyone um, and, and be differentiated. And we just, we messed all that up in those first few years eventually we got it right, but it was very much through hard knocks, you know? So you spend a couple years, you know, you're, you're trying, you're
0: going through trial and error. You had to have thought at some point in that time that boomy wasn't going to make it. I imagine all the time. Yeah. Monthly. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a specific point where you especially thought it was over?
1: Yeah, there was. Um, and I remember it pretty vividly, and it, and it actually was founder infighting oh. stuff going on. Okay, which you know, if it's hard enough, you know, figuring out what product you're going to build and what market you're going to be in, and you know, what now people call product market fit, but you know, lean startup didn't exist back back then. Um, you know, throw onto that the complexities of like founder infighting and just personality conflicts, and I just remember one time in particular where I just was was just definitely at a point. And, and like literally went to job boards and started looking for jobs. And um, and obviously very glad I didn't do that. But yeah, I really, really thought that 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 was the moment. and it's it's interesting because it wasn't customer problems. It wasn't the undifferentiated stuff. You know, that stuff, I think,, um, I was kind of ready to fight through. It was kind of that internal, conflict where it was like there are just things that aren't worth anything and 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 this was kind of getting to be one of those and um we we got to a better place a a much 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 better place but yeah that was i would call that the low point um that was probably 2002 so this was in 2002
0: now boomy famously get got into the cloud space around 2007 is that right that's right So this whole time you're building this company, seven years now in Philadelphia, there aren't too many tech companies starting up in Philadelphia at this time, correct? Correct. And you guys were looking for venture capital? Correct. So what was that like trying to go to venture capital firms, which traditionally are housed in either San Francisco or New York City? Yes and
1: saying, hey, we're an internet company in Philadelphia. How did that go? It was awful. Oh, yeah. It was terrible. <laughs> Why? I mean, in 2007, very much the world was, the tech world was very much, it's the Bay Area, and then there's this cool, exciting thing happening in New York. That was essentially the tech scene. That's it. There, there was no, you know, there was legitimate on one hand concern of like, if you want to build a team of people who've been there done that, that talent just doesn't exist in these other places, blah, 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 of course, that is not going to sit well with someone who's got you know philly pride and so you know we never was the conversation like oh we're gonna move ever and a few times we were asked but it was really awful i mean it was it was um we definitely weren't taken seriously most of the time um you know innovative technology like cloud integration can't be invented in philadelphia that that doesn't make any sense i mean people would literally say that exact thing that exact and then how do you respond to them when they say Not that. Nod quietly. I mean, you can't, you know, you yeah. can't, you know, you want to, you know, punch them, but yeah. you can't <laughs> do that. So you just sit quietly. Right. And it's just kind of like the, you know, let's, let's let that, um, dismissive disposition motivate us to yeah. want to, you know, fight and win. And then it did. I mean, it, it's Philadelphians, I think have grit. I think if, if we needed any more boost, we got it. And yeah. so, so you had that, um, a lot of that, a lot of dismissal. Um, we eventually got two folks interested. We eventually, partnered with first mark and it really was amazing um experience because they're super supportive investor um they're based in new york um and it was uh it was a really really helpful to our um growth as a company so
0: so let's go back to when you're in those discussions with the vcs and they're laughing at you for being in philadelphia they're saying what are you doing yeah well you know why there's so much talent in san francisco and new york we're there that's where everybody is building these things they ask you to move you say no why? Why did you want so badly to stay in Philadelphia?
1: I mean, we were just rooted here, you know? I mean, we were rooted here. We had a team here. We we're going to move 20 people across the country. We're not going to get rid of them. They were they had gotten us to where we were, right? right? So we're going to so like, you know, now my answer is very different. Then it like it wasn't because the city was this amazing place, like it is today. I mean, Philly was different in 2007, honestly. But we were still rooted, and you know the, that that amazing investor, the Godfather of, of Boomy, Mike. You know, he lived local. It was very important that he stayed connected to the business. Yeah, so it just really wasn't wasn't an option. I mean, Bob was just Bob was moving from McLean up to to Philly. Like, you know, the idea of moving it, you know, it just really wasn't on the on the table. It wasn't something where we ever were like, should we? Like, it never even came became an option. In what ways was
0: Philadelphia different in 2007 compared to today, 2018?
1: Well, um, tech scene-wise, it was pretty It was pretty vacant. You know, I think there was this, like, terrible, terrible idea to create this thing called Silicon Phil- Valley. You know, I, we finally have killed all that nonsense. Like, I think we finally understand, like, we need our own identity. Yeah. We don't want to be the shadow of something bigger. I think we get that here now, which is awesome. But back then, there was this, like, Phil- can- like this whole...
0: Do people no actually say that in
1: Silicon Valley? It was like, a real thing. Oh, really? my God. You should Google it. It's hilarious. Oh now now it's like, it's dismissed. It's hilarious. Like, people like Chris Wink, it's, you say it in front of him. He, he goes, like, <laughs> yeah. crazy. It's hilarious. I kind of do, too. It's, it's embarrassing. And there's Silicon Alley. There's Silicon Beach. It's like, oh you my know, gosh. like, you guys do realize Silicon's irrelevant now in the cloud, right? Like, that <laughs> yeah. term mattered when we were building doesn't even make and sense shipping now. servers. It doesn't make sense anymore. Anyway, um so, you know, there was there was, you know, in in 2000, there was some so some cool stuff going on during dot com in Philly, 2000 happened. Uh by 2000, I mean, the recession hit bad. Um it took a lot of companies down. Um some companies got acquired. It's just it just kind of like silenced things a little bit. There wasn't enough going on where it could kind of roll again and then um 2007, Philly Startup Leaders began that year, started that year. Um, and uh, I, I never even heard of it until 2012. Um, and and I think it, it it became something that started with five five friends, you know, Chris Sarah, and, and a bunch of other folks, and just sort of grew into this thing that now is 1000s of people strong, but that gives you a sense of the difference, right? That organization did not exist. Back then in 2007, I think there was this mentality with capital, there was very, very few five here in Philly that were really investing in early stage um, relatively now it's a little bit better um, still tough um, but back then very very few um, the city wasn't as desirable a place to live and so we had these amazing schools students were graduating and leaving right away so you know you have this like talent exodus going on that's gotten so much better now so it was it was really a different really truly a different time right I feel like so 2007 you guys come up with this grand idea
0: and boom boomy yes. kicks off, right yes so in the in that time when it finally gets moving in, in a big high growth way that I imagine you dreamed about for the whole time, you know since you started in 2000 how did you feel in that period when you know it was really kicked
1: into overdrive you know that's a long time i mean that you know we were acquired by dell in 2010 so that's 10 that's 10 years ten that's a years That's a long it's a long time uh, where a lot of that time was spent in not such a good situation and uh, you know i hope the positive is that it demonstrates um my grit and <laughs> like not not giving up it probably also demonstrates a little bit of insanity frankly like there's there is a time you're like dude like move on like I, li- <laughs> I literally remember talking to like really you know great successful folks here and they'd be like still doing that boomy thing huh like how long has it been <laughs> kind of like that and i'm kind of like yeah i'm kind of like fuck you yeah. i'm kind of like yeah i hope this is no it's fine it's swear friendly show um adults. and like yeah. Um, so there was that hanging over my head. I was very, I was very happy, but I was very, um, I think, hard on myself and critical of Boomi pretty much forever. I don't think I stopped and saw that because there was like this, you know, seven years behind it of um, stuff and just a, a whole bunch of like mistakes and suboptimal things going on.
0: Yeah. That to me, that's seven years is such a long time. I mean, I'm four years into my career and to have gone almost double that and to not really be sure if it's the right path and but to stick it out and see it explode is is remarkable. Um Or insane. Or insane. Yeah. So oh, that bro. actually brings up an interesting point because you know, if you're into the startup scene and you subscribe to a lot of the, the lean startup principles, one of the big mantras around how to start a startup is to fail fast. Yeah. And and you hear about all these startups that pivot all the time. Yeah. Sometimes dramatically into totally different things. Yeah. So you're you Boomy was on one end of the spectrum where yeah. you stuck it out for 7 years and then it became, you know, it then it fulfilled its destiny. So how do you feel about that whole strategy
1: of fail fast? I I I generally don't like it and generally disagree with it. Because I think it gets like, I think the intentions are all right. Which is, yeah, um, you know, we were talking earlier today, you know, fall in love with the problem, not the solution. So I think there's that part of fail fast, which is like recognize when something isn't working through customer development, customer interaction work and engagement data and then try something new and have a mindset of like, you do that over and over and over and over again. And so that part's cool. I think where people take fail fast in a really sad and tragic direction, is they just shut down their companies, or they describe their companies um, in such a way where um, they don't have conviction. Now, listen, there's capital reasons, there's lifestyle reasons where that's an inevitability. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about someone who actually raised venture capital and had a runway, and was just like, nope, and just stopped. I think and again I am come from an enterprise software world so I have no perspective on B2C and the rule book might be completely different but in in the enterprise software world man it just takes 2 years to figure anything out because your buyers are slower and they just make decisions slower and the dynamics of how a decision is made is very different you know you you have 4 or 5 people making any decision for any software in an enterprise that's of any meaningful significance to the business right if if it's impacting a metric in a business there's going to be a lot of people so all that shit's hard it means like the way you learn how to market it and sell it and what product you build and how you take your feedback just takes longer and you have to give yourself that patience i think that's like i call that part tragic because i think i have definitely seen good ideas that just weren't incubated and baked enough like they didn't give them the time to do it and turn it over and figure it out and i think um I think when you get into that situation, generally speaking, I think it's, it's a shame because I think there could be much more good stuff if that didn't happen. Yeah.
0: A- another common thing that you'll hear in startup, in the startup world is talking about an exit. And sometimes when people have an idea for a company, somebody will ask them what their exit strategy is. You know, do you plan to get acquired? Do you plan to have an IPO? Things like that. To me, that's kind of crazy because, you know, yes. if I'm starting something, I'm like, why am I worried about exiting? I'm, I'm starting. Sure. Yes. So... So you, I guess you agree with that. I do agree with that. <laughs> okay. So were you at any point other than when you thought it was time for you to exit when things weren't going well, did you ever think about Boomy's exit before
1: Del came knocking? Like how did that go? How did you feel? We definitely thought about it. And again, 10 years create some fatigue for sure. Um, we definitely thought about it. I think the, like the purest answer that I subscribe to and generally believe in is, um, if you start taking exit strategies and letting them impact your strategic decisions for your business how you build your product what product you build you know it has to be about the customer It has to be about solving customer problems and if you change that dynamic and you start going oh well if i build this feature i'm going to look really attractive to this buyer like sure you are you realize how risky that is because even if you do, there's 8 million reasons why that strategic buyer might, the wind might blow a different direction and they might focus on a different acquisition. You have, you're, you're, it's like, you're, it's like, you're going, well, cool. I'm going to spend all this money to buy one lottery ticket and hope I win instead of the dollar it takes to, to buy a lottery ticket. Right. You know, it's like even worse when you do shit like that. And so that's where I think it's really bad. That being said, we definitely were thinking about it just from the pragmatic. Of like we had raised money from investors. We had we had investors who had invested in 2002. Now it's 2010. Like that's a long time. Like they think about that rate of return over time. And let's you know how can we how can we do do right by them. So there's that practical reality. And that um, you know the cool thing about how it all went down in 2000 was we were um, approached by a partner who was clearly serious about acquiring us. And then uh, we were approached by a second partner who was also genuinely serious about acquiring us. And that second partner um, actually had something in their contract that said, if you, Boomi, get an offer for someone to buy your company, we want the right to counteroffer. And we agreed to that. We signed that. And so we told them that had happened. And they said, well, thanks for telling us because we actually wanted to eventually acquire you too. And that second company ended up being Dell. When those conversations started happening, it started getting real. Um, I think there wasn't really like this internal thing of like, we don't want to, you know, I think it was like, okay, this seems real. This seems like this could be really good for our customers and our shareholders and our employees. And, uh, and you know, that was more how we talked about it internally than like this feeling of like, no way, like we won't even entertain it, you know? So the day that that deal closed, what goes through your mind? That was pretty cool day. Yeah. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Just because uh, for a couple reasons. One, it was cool. Yeah. There's like the personal life-changing part that happens when someone of pays you a lot of money for your company. And that, that was handy. Um, but then like Dell was a really good acquirer. And what I mean by that is they really like knew the business of acquiring and they knew the psychology of it for the employees. And they like they literally were at a hotel across the street with me and Bob and the leadership team dry running how the day was going to go. Like it was really thoughtful. There was like a run of the day and like this time this happens and Michael Dell makes this announcement and then this happens. And then, you know, every employee gets immediately brought into a conference room and they're presented an offer of employment by Dell. So they don't have any ambiguity in their mind about what does this mean for me? Like they just thought through all that stuff. And so that's all going on. And then it's like the rehearsal and then the day and then the day was executed. It was really cool. And the only shitty thing that happened uh, was our website went down for like almost three hours because we had gotten this volume of traffic that was like orders of magnitude higher because, you know, you know, it got announced, you know, Michael Dell was, was communicating the strategy and the why. all these publications were picking it up, driving this insane amount of traffic to our site. And we like just, we just, and they, it was like disappointing and like the dell people were like guys <laughs> we were like yeah Not making was, us look too good there <laughs> yeah that was bad um yeah we we're like scrambling to fix that um but it was really good and it was like this like roller coaster and like the team was like holy shit and then we're like here's what it means for you and they're like cool and like you know a lot of the team members got raises and like so um so it was really cool it was a really amazing experience to go through was pretty positive it was extraordinarily positive yeah. like 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 the, any drama or or whatever, you know, you know, at that moment and and after the acquisition, is really really first world problems, right? Yeah. And, and the stuff that people are complaining about is like, yes, big, working in a huge company is very different. Yep, and it can be frustrating. Yep. Generally speaking, every promise Dell made, they kept. Nobody lost their job. It was it was very much like. We want the cloud expertise here. No, everyone comes. Everyone comes um, across all the departments, and um, there was a little bit of, of of uncertainty and mistrust naturally by the employees. That all kind of quickly went away. Um, so yeah, so so it, it was it was positive. So you wound up staying
0: at Dell with Boomi, now called Dell Boomi, for how long?
1: Uh, almost three years. So okay. 2013.
0: Yeah, and then. That's when you started getting the itch to be in the startup game
1: again. Yeah, definitely. It was like the, um, what if you could go back to high school again? Yeah, and do it all over again. <laughs> kind of. A little bit. No, it was it was very much inception from um, an idea that started as like this germinated thing. Like I would I would just sort of write down concepts um, as I thought of them and just you know. Um, not put much thought into them and then revisit them. Um, and then the the one that became guru just sort of kept um, kept kept staying there. And uh, as I got excited about that idea and started vetting it and started doing due diligence, I realized what an opportunity it was. At the same time, there was a lot of stuff where I was like, man, I would i I would love to. I would love to do this again. And like one of the things I talk a lot about now is like, just, just like respect the journey more and not be so focused on the monthly goals. That's just the manifestation of success. Because, um, if you don't appreciate the journey, I think, um, you won't think with a long view and if you don't think with a long view i think it it can it can cloud your decisions it, it can force you to be more tactical in nature to optimize for the now instead of optimizing for longer and i think that that's b- born really well so like all that stuff is going through my head and like you know having having uh, an amazing wife and and partner my you know my my personal co-founder in a lot of ways honestly <laughs> just for from like Knowing what it's like, going through the 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 nonsense of the of the startup world, um, being totally supportive of that and on board with that, and you know, leaving the like cushy you know corporate job and all the perks that came with that, and getting shittier healthcare and, yeah. and all that other stuff, you know? Um, and we had kids at that point too. So it wasn't just like a decision about me and her, um, but, but yeah, super supportive. It's a little bit different than just being a year or two out of 24. college. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit She's different. like, whatever, dude, do what you want. I don't care. Um, right. Okay. So what was the moment like when you knew, you were getting back in the game. I remember going to a Gartner conference. They were doing this session on, on knowledge, and, and there were customers of, of a vendor in the crowd standing up, shaking their fists, yelling at the analyst. The vendor's not even there, like complaining about, when's this product? When's this going to be fixed? Like, when is this going to happen? Like, outrage. Vendor's not in the room. They're yelling at the analysts. The analysts are just the ones going like, here's what this product does. And they're getting like yelled at five analysts sitting up there, super awkward and tense. I'm sitting in the back and I'm like, what is happening right now? Like one, where's the vendor? Like where's the actual person they're paying money to for this software? They're nowhere in the room. And they're like shaking their fish yelling. And I'm like, I have to start this company. Like if there's this much passion and rage and dissatisfaction with this incumbent product, holy shit, like- what an opportunity. Like I have to, I have to do this. Like, so that was the moment. That was the day, you know, left that show, eventually came home and like, remember the specific conversation with Jen, like, this is what I'm going to do. You know, like this is the thing, like I've decided it, like this is going to be what, what, what happens. So you're still in Philadelphia. Yes. I'm going to start a company. Much different now. The
0: startup scene has changed. Yes. You know, Philly startup leaders is around. There's, there's more tech in what ways, was it different starting a company in philadelphia 13 years after the first one oh my god
1: oh my god so different so awesome so awesome so much better um all those things i said tick through them right talent you know a bunch of companies now a bunch of venture-backed startups doing well in philly I'm not saying it's huge, but enough where you have a healthy ecosystem, you have a circle of life. There's enough where if one company fizzles out and doesn't do well, three sprout up in its place. Those team members that maybe got laid off because that one didn't do well, they jump into new jobs and startups, right? It's happening. It's fertile. It's going. It's cool. So you've got that going on. Good companies can raise money. You know, you don't need to be in New York or San Francisco. You just don't, it's been proven over and over again. Um, there's advantages now to not being in those places, right? Because you're, you know, there's, there can be an echo chamber. If you walk into a restaurant, you sit down at a normal restaurant, everyone around you is talking about fucking business plans and some startup idea. Like that sucks after a while, right? It's nice to sit down in a city that's not tech first. Right where you just talk to people and you tell them you're in tech and like interesting. I watch that show Silicon Valley and I'm like that's <laughs> yeah. a very very accurate portrayal of what it's like. <laughs> by the way, um, it's full of all that douchebaggery. That yeah. is extraordinarily accurate and true. Um, but like that that is a that is really cool because you get out of that echo chamber and you can validate ideas faster because you're pitching people who aren't tech first and so you got to talk about it in plain English, right? You see like this jargon factory happen. A lot of that's cause like we're both in tech. I start talking riffing ideas to you, you know, my vernacular. You're like, Oh, cool. I dig it. You go talk to a, like, um, someone who's not in that world. It'd be like a doctor speaking to you and like really, really technical, medical, you're like, doctor, am I yeah. going to die or not? Like, <laughs> yeah. help me. I don't know anything you're saying. Like, it's like that bad. And so, um, So that's really cool, it's great. Then like the city itself, right? And so now we have this amazing food scene with all of these restaurants blowing up everywhere. And we those same schools I was talking about before. Now students are graduating and going. Why would I leave? This city's fucking awesome. I want to stay here, and and so they start looking for jobs here, and they find them and stay. Like so many of our team here at Guru now is you know under twenty five, and this was their first job out of school, and you know the Temple program's amazing, and Drexel, and Villanova, and Penn. Like these are all amazing schools with great you know, students coming out of them. Um, so you've got that going on. And you know, then you have like things like Philly startup leaders, like activating a sense of community and making you feel welcome and connected to what's going on. Uh, despite it now being 1000s of people large, right? So many people would come up to me when I was uh, more directly involved in PSL. And they go Philly, uh, Philly, Startup Leaders made me feel welcome. Like it like I felt like PSL was the welcoming committee, it made me feel plugged in really quickly. Thanks for that. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Well, maybe I help you welcome. But like, no, that's just the vibe that's, that's been created here, which is a really cool thing. Hopefully we keep it. it doesn't die, you know, as we grow, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome now. Yeah. So, so we get this brand new,
0: you know, feel of Philly in 2013, you get Guru going, you know, it, it sounds like it grew pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We, um, I think, I think um, if I were to, to, to simplify it, like, Getting to product market fit with Guru really wasn't any easier than it was with with Boomi. I mean, I guess you could challenge that by saying, "Well, you just told me it was seven years before you hit this." Well, cloud yeah. Thing. So why? So it, it may <laughs> yeah. have been
0: just as hard, but but why were you able to do it so much quicker this but, time?
1: But I think I think um, a number of reasons. One, there's 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 a lot more you can learn about some of the mechanics of finding product market fit. Like there there's there's this idea. And I think one thing that I brought with me from Boomi, and I talked about it with fail fast, like there's this idea of giving yourself intentionally giving yourself that time and intentionally setting up both your mindset, and the mindset of your team This is gonna take a while. And we're gonna it's gonna take a while. And like, probably the first thing we build will be shitty, you know, but like, it'll get a little better. And you know, and it did. And it was, you know, probably 18 months, when I think we had a product that was viable and sellable. Where we had a buyer that we reasonably started to understand um and we knew we knew how to find more of them and that when we found more of them a decent number of them would go yeah i agree this does suck boy it'd be great if i had and guru was that thing um you know you've you've gone through those early stages rob it's a very vulnerable feeling w- before you have that customer validation where you really need to give yourself and your team the runway and the, I guess like the, the safety of feeling like it's okay that no one gives a shit about your dumb product and your dumb idea and like no one like no one cares and, and like you got to make them care it, it's not their job to care it's not their job to find you it's your job to find them and make them care and like feeling like that's okay and normal and how it works and you got to do that that's a lot of it man so I think like that stuff um Was through was learned through making mistakes, and then I think we just went through our journey of like buyers and changing the product. And so, did
0: you find that either you for yourself or other people for you had much higher expectations the second time around since you had already gone through? What was that
1: like? I mean, it kind of sucks, dude. Like, um, maybe it shouldn't. Maybe that was a maybe that was the wrong answer. But that's the honest answer. So,
0: so It it did just. You you
1: didn't like having such pressure placed. Well, yeah, because they're like, because they're like, oh well, boomy. like, you're who knows where this will go. And at the time, dude, like, no revenue still, like, still building product. I'm just kind of like, oh, geez, I hope, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hope, I hope that happens. Like, boy, it sure would suck if, like, you know, the headline, yo, Nucci flames, <laughs> flames out, <in> career. <laughs> like, you know, like those are those are all very unhealthy things to be thinking about. I recognize that, but like. It wasn't ever good pressure, and then the other thing that wasn't good was when Boomi and we're fundraising, we're pitching VCs, and I talk about how we got dismissed a lot. What I kind of meant by that is like, who the fuck are these guys, and what do they know? Well, kind of the opposite happened to Guru, which is well, he did Boomi. This must be right, and like, uh. and, and people wouldn't push back on me, and people, you know, when I'm like pitching you the guru idea i want you to tell me like the shitty parts of it or like the whole thing's dumb and like and instead it would be like i'm sure it'll be awesome yeah like it'd be that and i'm like (laughs) no that doesn't help me (laughs) dude like tell me tell me the the shitty parts of it please like tell me 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 what yeah, tell me what's wrong with the idea. And um, that happened in, in different circles. And you know, I think it's great, when you're recruiting, and you're recruiting someone who has a, a vote of confidence in you, it's it's flattering and humbling that they have a vote of confidence in you that I think we'll figure it out, because we kind of did it before. But um, in other areas, I think it can be bad, because you know, you know, that customer development phase, when you're first getting feedback, you know, you want more than anything, is the negative yeah. feedback. Because it's easy to be nice, right? It's it's the negative stuff where you go, oh, cool, and then yeah. you can kind of tweak the yeah. idea. Yeah. So I've, I've
0: read that either, you know, while you were building Boomy, um, you know, when Philadelphia didn't have as strong of a presence here, that there were people in the tech scene in San Francisco who knew you and didn't know that you were in
1: Philadelphia. That's right. So... What, were you just out in San Francisco all the time? Yeah, yeah. Really? Um, I still do it a week a month, so I just spend a week a month out a there. A
0: week a month you spend in San Francisco, yeah. why?
1: I um, started going there in 2007, uh, we hired our first employee out there in 2007, and back then we did it because we thought that partnerships were going to be a big driver of revenue and we were going to partner with those tech companies, those cloud companies, which we did and ended up being... Um, a big part of, of Boomi's growth. Um, that was sort of my first exposure of like really kind of spending time there and getting to know. And so I, um, you know, my only comments so far have been about, like, the Silicon Valley VCs. You know, by the way, we work with a Silicon Valley VC now, a guru named Emergence Capital, who are absolutely amazing, wonderful people, awesome board help. They push back on me. They have no problem telling me when they think that's something's good. wrong. And that's what I want. Exactly. That's what I wanted. Exactly. And so have all that. They're great. But um, through building that that office in SF and spending time out there, I really got to know and respect a ton um, what it does mean to be in the tech center of the universe and, and um, invested a lot of time and a lot of my um, personal time in building rela- authentic relationships there, for no other reason than um, building relationships to have connections with folks who are thinking about this stuff, too. And I could learn stuff from them. And maybe they'd learn things from me now and then too. And I just sort of kept doing that. And then I would get um, more deliberate about when I would go and so I would look at all the event calendars of all the cloud stuff going on and I'd find out this event was Tuesday of that week and I go cool that'll be my week that month and I'd go out that month and so you start seeing me at two or three or four of these events over the course of a year I'm deliberately being at those events and then home the rest of the time like oh yeah Rick where do you live again yeah. like Palo Alto uh, <laughs> San Mateo I'm like Philadelphia. <laughs> keep going east yeah and they're like what that's weird yeah i would definitely hear that um it was good i was glad to hear that and again there that also it does um it does help i mean they're, they're still less now kind of not now but back then a big you know not invented here thing in the in the in the Bay Area mentality, right. which is not good, but, but, but I wasn't doing it for those reasons. Ultimately, it really was just building relationships, which I I've really come to value a ton, um, even through today and helping me now as we have our SF office, again, for guru, you know, we have one now same playbook, um, and uh, was fortunate enough to be able to work with several folks I had met from, you know, all the way back then, coming over again, now that I think are just great people, super talented, and also fit in the culture of, of what it's like, working here at guru and there's
0: probably a decent amount to be said about the positive things that you were able to sort of pick up and and see firsthand
1: out there and bring to philly right yes and bring to philly man i think i think like like you could you know to me it's a secret sauce almost unfair advantage to be able to do that and learn there and come back here um where the retention problems aren't aren't um, an issue here. They're great here. Meaning employee employee, employee retention. retention, you know, employees, employees, you, you're having this frenzy right now out and SF, it's a real problem where, you know, you have five job offers waiting for you. So, you know, the minute there's one bad quarter, you know, you know, a brilliant engineers out the door and getting their next, you know, deal. And like, that's a, that's a problem. And um, we don't have that as much here. And I think also just being able to build here outside of that you know echo chamber um can be really helpful um it go it goes both ways i really do i really do think there's amazing um learnings and talent and i think there's skill sets that still are you know you can only really find there um in a lot of a lot of cases um and so i think it it's definitely like the the double advantage of having both locations yeah Yeah.
0: so i want to ask a couple ask you a couple things that I ask most guests just to get some different perspectives. Sure. Um, What do you think is the
1: biggest challenge facing Philadelphia today? I think our biggest challenge today, I I think I would, I would answer it um, with two things that may be somewhat related. Um, The first one though, and the one I'm like most personally passionate about is the lack of awareness of what is going on in Philly. Um, at a national level and even international level. And um, we, we just are not on radars. And I look at um, Boulder, Colorado as an example I always use. And I think the work that Brad Feld and others have done has been amazing at how much they've put that location on the map. And it's there there's, has to be substance. There has to be great companies there, which there are. But then the other half of what they did is the marketing and the, and the PR, almost like PR for a company. It's PR for – a Town, um, we we have been we have really struggled there. Now I think that's changing. I think a lot of the things that Visit Philly have been doing lately have really been impressive. Um, you know, I went down to our fourth Amplify Philly presence at South by Southwest this year, which is really all about celebrating the you know you know technology, music, startup, you know all, all the stuff going on in Philly um uh, manifesting in a in a philly house which is a south by term for like renting out a whole restaurant or basically a place where you can do all that you, you see the, a lot of the work that that visit philly was contributing to that and it's um it's changing and and by changing i mean you know we got to get away from this like cheesesteak liberty bell rocky statue nonsense and like move on man like to, to, to describe food in Philly as a cheesesteak, like, yep, yeah, cool. We got all that. That's cool. But to describe it now versus when you actually go to the restaurant, you actually go into Zahav and you actually go into all of these amazing places. Um, it's a huge mess, man. It really is. And like when people come here from any culinary city, they are blown away. Um, By that. And so, um, so that awareness at a national level that one, there's a thriving startup community here that generally people don't know about. And two that this is a city that people genuinely want to live in and they don't want to leave when they get here. You know, that's number one. I think that's the biggest thing. And then I think second, if you just look at other places relative to Philly, um, it's that tech anchor, it's that high tech company, right? Um, not too far from here, Pittsburgh and and Carnegie Mellon developing partnerships with um, Google and Uber. Well, guess what? Now they have campuses there. And now they're hiring engineers there. And now they're training those engineers to be even better engineers, some of whom will eventually leave and start companies, right? And some will stay and do amazing things through Uber and Google. Like We need that. That is not here, essentially. That essentially doesn't exist here. And that's... Um, that's a missed opportunity. And I think that has a sparking capability um, that this is a big city. I think we can absorb uh, a few of those tech anchors coming here and not not have some of the income disparity problems that other smaller cities have had when that's happened. Right. So I think we're ready. I think it's great. I think we. I think it could be huge for us.
0: If the listeners wanted to take away one thing or you wanted to leave them with
1: some sort of action item or a thing to consider, what would it be? Yeah. Um, Glad you asked that. Um, It's a super cliche quote, but I really believe in it. I'll use my dad's version of it first, actually, which is um, whenever I would go to meet someone, this kind of relates to this status. thing. Whenever I go to meet someone who I thought was intimidating, my dad would go, Hey, they put their pants on the same way we do one leg at a time, like that classic quote, right? Um, There's a variant of that quote that Steve jobs gives, which is um, when you look at the world around you, most of the things the buildings, the products, the the whatever were created by people no smarter than you. And that is a very um, popular quote and often used quote. But I really really believe that to be true and i really believe as like an arc over like working at boomy and working at guru um that is a true statement and that um it can you can when i talk to other founders and 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 people feel that that thing that they want to do i could never do that i think if you could just convince yourself of that one thing because I promise you it is a hundred percent true go and read the origin stories of these companies they are the same people they, they're not magical mystical beings they sometimes just got lucky other times they just have perseverance but like they just did it like it can disarm that feeling of like oh I could never build that company like you could you definitely could um so I think that's one that I really try to keep close uh to me
0: For more on Rick, you can head to podfillyhoo.com forward slash Rick Nucci. That's R-I-C-K-N-U-C-C-I. You can follow him on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Nucci as well. And to check out Guru, head over to getguru.com. Thanks for listening to this very first episode of Philly Who. For more, of course, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Or at any time, you could head to podphillywho.com. If you'd like to provide feedback or ideas for the podcast, feel free to hit up Twitter or Instagram at podphillywho. Thanks again for Rick for the time. and Thanks again to you for listening. Once more for Philly Who, I'm Kevin Schmidlin. i will see you next week.